Hello, I'm Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Female Fire from Mail Plus. I'm joined this week, as every week, by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones, who this week has the liver of a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I have! So, dear listener, I rather patronisingly was offered the opportunity to have my liver checked <laughs> for one of those new wellness things. Mm. And I said, no, 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 it's fine. Get Imogen to go. She needs it. Anyway, turns out... I have the liver of a baby. Which is extraordinary. Oh, yes, this is true. Yes. So, it's a miracle, actually. No, well, yeah, you did slightly patronisingly hand the baton over to me as the resident alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> and and I went and I lay there slightly, slightly nervous. Sweating thinking, a bit. Thinking. Slightly sweating, thinking, OK, this is really my uh, Waterloo. Yeah. Uh, this is, you know, I've got to face up to the fact that I must stop drinking too much vodka. Anyway, the woman put some little sonic device over my liver, which actually, did you know, it's right under underneath your ribcage yes on I the left not. hand side or I the right hand side which side uh, right right side, I, yes. I thought it was sort of just above the hip <laughs> that's somebody didn't pay attention in biology anyway so, so she puts the sonic thing up and then goes bum 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 and everything and then she went oh well there's a chart of bright lime green and then the terrible liver is dark red and I'm lime green fine this is not she, fair. I can tell you, listen, the amount that this woman drinks, Imogen Edwards-Jones, mm. is not fair. She should not have the liver no, of a baby. No, and I have no fat either. No. She did brilliantly say, you might be fatty on the outside, for which I was obviously very grateful. Uh, <laughs> and then she said, but you're not fat on the inside. So I don't have a fat liver either. Well, I, I think we might have to have a drink to celebrate. I, well, I did. <laughs> Straight to the pub. Swift half. No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> I went and did some very important work on my computer. Of course, afterwards. yes. But yes, that's exciting news. That is very exciting news. Um, anyway, coming up on today's show, how much would you miss retail therapy? Mm. I think the answer is probably quite a lot. We're going to be talking to the former fashion magazine editor who has decided to limit herself to just five new items of clothing per year. Mm -hmm. And we're going to find out why. But first... Two years ago, the British Awards made headlines after dropping their Best Male and Best Female Awards. Mm. This year, they've also made headlines by failing to nominate any women at all for the Replacement Best Artist Award, which prompts the question, does the music industry have a women problem? A bit like the Labour Party, really. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Here to unpick this question is Vic Bain, President of the Independent Society of Musicians and founder of the F-List Directory of Female Musicians. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us, Vic. Now, I find this quite annoying because as Imogen and I were talking about earlier on, lady musicians mm. or female musicians have to do everything that male musicians have to do, only they have to do it in pants most of the time. Most of the time, yes. And high heels. Yes. So surely they should get more nominations, not fewer nominations. Yes. <laughs> I quite agree. <laughs> do you? Good. Well, that's the quickest conversation you've ever had. Really. <laughs> <laughs> It is true, though. I mean, these we watched the other day. This uh, we had the director in the documentary on Selena Gomez, and right at the beginning of the documentary, I don't know if you've seen it. Selena Gomez is trying on outfits for going on stage, and I mean, not only is she tiny and like a little bird, but she said for the first five minutes, "I can't wear this." They're going to photograph my vagina all the way through it. All it'll be is you can see Selena's vagina. And because she was the in outfit, a cat suit. Yeah, yeah, the outfit was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. So, I mean, it is a terribly difficult industry to, to be a woman in, isn't it? And this is just making it more difficult because they haven't nominated any women at all for Best Artists. And there are lots. There are lots. But women musicians are still very much in the minority, especially when it comes to artists who are signed to record label rosters. 
They are only 20% of the musicians who are signed. And that means, you know, the musicians who the recorded industry invest in financially. So, you know, with 80% of the pool being men, this was going to happen. But why have they done it? Why have they decided to go sort of gender neutral, as it were? What's the advantage? I can see their intentions were, well, it, you know, it'll be all about the talent and, you know, and let's, let's be gender neutral. And, you know, I could kind of see where they're coming from. But, you know, I had conversations with certain people at the Brits before they made the announcement. And, I, you know, and I just said, well, are you ready? Because there will, you know, this is bound to happen. There will be categories which are dominated by men. And it's going to be very visible because this is a televised broadcast music award ceremony. So, you know, many millions of people see. Do you think there's a parallel with, so in the sports field, there are male and female categories because mm. men and women, when they compete on the sports field, are very different physiologically. And mm. therefore, men can't compete against women because men are just bigger, stronger, faster, more muscly, have yeah. more testosterone, et cetera, et cetera. So if you apply that principle to the music industry, then are we simply doing this because of a sort of desire to pretend that gender doesn't exist, which is the whole trend at the moment, mm. you know. It's just that I don't understand why, because you've got a they and them gender, you have to take away the women's option yes. to win. It sort of feels like that's what's going on here. It's a bit like... Little female artists are being sacrificed yes, on the... on the o- sort of o- altar of, of... Male ego. Yeah. Or am I being unfair and wrong? I think having these gender-protected categories gave women a much fairer chance of winning awards because it's much, Mm. much harder to be a woman in the music industry, especially as a musician. You know, not just the barriers of wearing high heels, although that's definitely (laughs) one, but, you know, lots and lots of other barriers. But as for, you know, I don't think the analogy with sports is quite right because I've done analysis of music performance degree graduates, you know, who are the pipeline into the industry now. You know, most people in music have degrees. 44% of graduating music students over the period up to 2018, 44% were women. So I used to hear quite a lot, actually, people saying, oh, well, you know, most musicians are guys just because they're better. They're better at music. They put, you know, they're more <laughs> obsessive. They more, you know, and that's rubbish as the degree statistics show. So the barriers for women getting signed and getting supported and getting invested in the early stages of their careers in the industry clearly has some major stereotypes and blocks when it comes to supporting women. Who makes more money, Vic? I mean, do the big female sort of diva singers, I put in little quotes around yeah. those, such like Adele, for example, I mean, I mean, she must be making a lot more money than half the people who've been nominated for uh, the category this year of best artist. Well, I'd love to see information on that, but the collecting societies don't publish that information. Mm. You know, it right. would be, yeah, it would, it would be the collecting societies who would, you know, I'm sure that they have those statistics on the individuals. So I don't know who the higher earners are. But yes, you would imagine Adele is earning a ton of money and good for her. Normally, you're supposed to follow the money. I mean, that's the idea. <laughs> when, when, you know, when these things are being yeah. changed, it's the idea is follow the money yeah. and you'll see the reason behind it. But yeah. this seems to me to be illogical. But do you think the fact that there is no longer a gender categories means that women will miss out on contracts and being signed? 
women will miss out on more awards going forward because you know my yeah. one of my observations is if the pool for the Brits you know the artists who are likely to have charting songs because they're being released by record labels if the pool mm. is only 20% women and yet this year the nominations if you look at it per artist it's 35% women mm. so mm. women are actually doing better than the pool but we'll have to mm. wait and see who the winners are because then there'll be another conversation because women are 35% of the artists who are being nominated but how many awards are they actually going to win mm. that will be mm. telling but yeah the record industry needs to sort itself out and sign more women because I have conversations with female musicians every week who say I can't get signed I can't get signed or I've been mm. turned down because the label has said we've already got a woman on our roster what? Just mm. one. Just, 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 just out of interest, how yeah. much of this is actually relevant to the industry going well, forward? Exactly. How important is it? Because, because actually, aren't most people now just reaching the public via their own social media mm. channels and making their own careers in that way? Do you still need to be signed by a record company in order to be able to be a success in the music industry? Or can you just do it via TikTok? You can certainly do it DIY and lots of women are choosing to do that or being forced to do that because they're not being supported. But the mm. Intellectual Property Office did a huge analysis of music creators' earnings a year and a half ago and it showed that artists that who were signed to labels tended to earn twice as much mm. as artists who were doing it on their own. I still don't really understand, forgive me for being obtuse, why the Brits object so much to having gender categories. Has anyone actually said? Have they explained why? Well, I've read various statements by their spokespeople mm. and I can understand, you know, with the best of intentions, they, you know, they thought, oh yes, let's be modern and contemporary and we, you know, we want to include cool. <laughs> we, we we want to we want to include uh, musicians who who are non-binary. But personally I think having one award that was protected for female identifying musicians is a good thing because there's so much inequality in the rest of the industry. Mm -hmm. It does make the ceremony, thankfully, a little bit shorter. Yes, few. That's the only thing that we thought might be the upside of it. <laughs> Vic, how important are these awards in the grand scheme of the music business? I mean, is a Brit something that actually has any intrinsic value or is it Absolutely. just you know, an ITV ceremony? No, it has a, and it has a financial impact as well. So, you know, winning or being nominated or winning a Brit has an absolute financial impact for those artists and their labels. So it's extremely prestigious. You know, this is in the, in the hierarchy of the music industry. This is right up there. Every music performer in those genres wants to be nominated and win a Brit because that's the pinnacle of your career and it has a real financial impact do you think there's a space for a women's only music award? Well, like the Orange like Prize. Like the Orange Prize yes. for writers. Well, there is, there, is, there is a Music Week, Women in Music Awards, yeah. which was, mm -hmm. was started by the fabulous Alison Wenham a number of years ago. So, yes, I've been in, inducted onto the honour roll, a great, a great honour. So there are awards, especially for women. And as Alison says, you know, she really hopes that in an, a number of years, you know, it won't be needed mm. because there will be equality. <laughs> But not yet. How has this choice gone down within the industry? Is everyone quietly cross or are they thinking, no, that's a really progressive, brilliant idea? 
I think the female-led organizations, including my own not-for-profit organization, the Effless for Music, which we represent nearly 6,000 female musicians, we are all, you know, pretty gutted about it because it's less opportunity for women to be honored and celebrated. But also we're having this conversation now. And maybe we would not be having this conversation if it hadn't been for the Brits. Personally, I think it was a, an error. Well, we'll have to wait and see if someone makes a dramatic statement on the awards Yes, night. somebody could, yes. Yeah. Do you remember like Chumbawamba? One of those. Yes. Chumbawamba. <laughs> I always remember that. Chumbawamba. And who was it? Who they attacked? I can't remember. Didn't they throw a bucket of something or an over? They I did, yes. Remember. Let's, well, let's wait and see. Very exciting. Thanks very much, Vic. That was brilliant. We'll look forward to seeing what happens. Yes. That was Vic Bain, president of the Independent Society of Musicians and founder of the F-List Directory of Female Musicians. Thank you. Our next guest is a former editor of Style magazine mm. who has decided to turn her back on the excesses of boutiques, malls and high street and is limiting herself to just five fashion purchases per year. And she'd like to convince you to do the same. Tiffany Dark joins us now. Tiffany, I have a burning question. Does it include pants? No, no, it's OK. No. <gasps> oh, phew. You. For hygiene reasons, Sarah, I hope you understand. Yeah. <laughs> so pants, socks, socks, tights. What about bras? Are they excluded? No, you're allowed to use them as well. But the caution is don't go mad because the whole point oh. of this is we've got to stop fueling the overconsumption in the fashion industry. So mm. by reducing ourselves to five fashion purchases a year, that's a pretty radical mm. reduction. I think everyone will agree, but it's based mm. on science. So a big climate institute, the Hot or Cool Institute, crunched all the numbers around emissions and, and everything and discovered that if the fashion industry wanted to reach the 1.5 warming target by 2030, which everybody says in the fashion industry they're going to do, the mm. only way of doing it is if we all reduce our consumption to five new items a year. Okay. But fashion's quite bad at sort of policing itself, isn't it? They're quite responsible for an awful lot of land. So they're basically bill. asking us to do the work, is what you're saying. Well, yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> We all have to put our shoulder to the wheel here. No, I mean, exactly. All, all, all of the brands have come out with all these lofty intentions. If you go to any website, you'll find on the About Us bar, people plan yeah. profit. We're all good, this, that, and the other. But most of it is just talk, and very little of it is action. But even if fashion was to, you know, use materials that were very innovative and sustainable and climate positive, even if they were to clear up the supply chain and we didn't have to travel all over the world to get the things that, mm. even if all of that was to happen, it still wouldn't stop the fashion industry being the second most polluting industry in the world, which it is after the oil and gas industry. Gosh. We've just got to stop buying so much. Well, I mean, the thing about fashion is, it, you know, it never used to be this way. People used to buy items of clothing that they could then alter. Because mm. Imogen was saying, what happens if you put on a massive amount of weight? It's <laughs> something I can identify with. And me. Um, so obviously, you know, in the olden days, you'd have something and you could take it down. Yes, that's true. Yes. And people knew how to sew and they could sew and they had sewing machines. And so they would use it and you would get a coat and it would have a degree of, I always remember my grandmother whenever she used to take me shopping, she would always be looking for the seam allowance in case that it needed to be altered. Yes, in case you had too much lunch, or you could fashion add. Fashion changed, yes, exactly. Yes. But now everything is, none of that's happened, none of that. No one makes clothes anymore, do they? So I think that's, I mean, there are lots of different ways of approaching this. Yes, you can just do five items a year, 
that is one approach that you mm. could take. I mean, my daughter buys all her clothes from vintage shops, but is that also bad? I'm afraid so. I mean, if we could all just go and buy secondhand, well, for, that would be a lot better because we're not putting new things out there, but it is still endorsing the kind of consumption that we've got now, mm. which is not sustainable. But then it is an industry that does support huge amounts of people within the UK and we it's one of our biggest exports, isn't it? So... Yeah, no, it's quite I mean, a difficult balance to strike, isn't it? It can't stop. But what has to stop mm. is the fast fashion side of things where we just, I mean, at the moment, you know, kind of 85% of clothes end up in landfill. Most clothes mm. don't last in your wardrobe longer than six months. So we've just lost this idea of valuing the things that we buy. And actually, Sarah, what you were talking about, which is that back in the day, we used to do a lot of dressmaking, you know, we used to be a lot more kind of handy around altering and things like that, because we actually really valued things that we have. We've lost that value. We can buy something in Zara or H&M, we can wear it once or twice, and then we can just chuck it away. Or worse, we never mm. wear it and the label stays in it. I've got at least four or five of those in my wardrobe. It's terrible, isn't it? But I mean, I think the other thing about the charity thing is it does encourage people to buy fast fashion because you think, oh, I'll just give it to charity and that'll be fine. Then they'll make some money out of it. So it's not so bad. Yeah, exactly. Et cetera. Exactly, which is uh, not good at all. But it, so, I don't think that we need to stop the fashion industry at all. I just think the fashion industry needs to find other ways of keeping us amused. So actually alterations and dressmaking is one thing renting is another thing you know there are sort of like handicraft knitting all those things that we used to do and that people have kind of started to go back to because they they're mindful and they're interesting and they're crafty these are things that the fashion industry have to get into also digital as well like gucci's got this massive thing going on in the metaverse at the moment and it's beginning to think of it more as a kind of netflix entertainment company than it is like a, a fashion company. Yes, I can't do virtual fashion. I don't fashion. understand. I don't. What does that mean? I what can't do, do virtual fashion at all. What I are they doing not, in the well, metaverse? It's basically they're dressing, they're dressing themselves up in, you know, clothes made out of bubble gum or whatever. Uh, you're supposed to watch it. I don't know. And you're that's meant, it. You're supposed to pay for it. You can buy designer trainers that are not trainers. They're just in it. They're just things on NFTs. the internet. Yeah, so you can pay £10 for a pair of, I don't know, pretend Gucci trainers. And then I'm not what? there yet. And I'm then not, what? I, 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 put them no, on I, your Instagram. I, I don't know. You put them on your avatar. Yeah, you can buy virtual clothes to project onto yourself on your Instagram posts. So. Oh, shush. A silly Fashion really is eating itself. That's that really is silly. insane. Going back to the five items, okay. what are the five well, items? Well, that's Sorry. what I was about to ask. So apart from the lion's headdress that I saw on the... Sh is it? Was it... How do you pronounce Schiaparelli. it? Schiaparelli. Schiaparelli. Yeah. I mean, apart from that lovely dress, which <laughs> I think I, I could get a lot of use out of. I thought it was Office, well, parties, you could, you could wear it And then you could put it on the wall as well. Afterwards. Yeah. That's a versatile one for my make, five. It's a cuddly toy off your kid's bed and so... Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you know what? I nearly thought of doing that today i thought i was going to get a nice tiger so it well, there's on. that very funny woman on tiktok who does that what's oh, really? she called i can't remember who i follow her and i can't remember her name but she does that with she goes she gets the silly outfits that all the people <gasps> wear on the red carpet and then she makes them out of loo paper and tin foil oh and well, it's that's very brilliant. funny she's on tiktok that's right so apart from the scaparelli whatever it is lion's head dress what else would you recommend well i mean this is where it gets fun because you start thinking mm. if i'm only allowed five things you know Mm. those five things going to be and actually yeah. you know what's top of my list which is for okay. many years I have fantasized about having the ultimate house coat this is something that's kind of half between <laughs> a dressing gown and an opera 
No. I'm thinking I'm going to get the lovely Alice Templey, who's got who's moved mm. production down to Somerset and is using all these amazing British craftspeople. And she's got this lovely kind of archive library of fabric to make me a silk embroidered wool lined so that I can wear mm. it her fabulous house coat that I can basically just live in day in. So you can walk around like Noel Coward. Yes. And I think mm-hmm. I will also probably invest in a new handbag. And I haven't allowed one of myself myself one of those for years because they're so horrendously expensive. But if I'm only having five things, I'm going to save the money. Should you set up a separate account, do you think, of the money that you would normally waste buying 16 T-shirts, one of which you actually wear? So the sort of that money you put into a special little clothing account and then by the end of the year you can actually buy yourself the expensive handbag because you haven't wasted it on 65 mini skirts that you can't fit into yeah you can definitely do that but I do have a confession for you both actually Mm. and I haven't shared it with anybody yet but these five things are so precious right so I'm only allowed five but I've already got one (gasps) already it's only January it was by mistake so (laughs) I went swimming at a girlfriend's house, wild open water swimming, so it was cold. And um, she gave me a bubble hat because it was so cold. Um, Mm. I was like, oh, great, that's exactly what I need. Put the hat on, had a lovely swim, left. And then I was like, oh! That's it. I've wasted one of my five items oh, no, on a but I surely, hat. surely theft doesn't count. Yes, theft, theft doesn't, doesn't count. count. No, that's fine. Theft doesn't count. It's a donation. It's not a yes. purchase. Yes, it's just a handbag and the opera coat. I've got a blooming bubble hat. <laughs> <laughs> that's rubbish that's rubbish as your five a day also what can I ask you another thing if you've got an, a sort of bathing suit that's exploded which most of mine have yeah. are you allowed to replace essentials or does that st- oh she's no, shaking no, no. You can't have another bathing suit I'm afraid that's no. new one. that's a new one but you know what Emmy what you have to do is you have to get mm. a really really good bathing suit that is going to last mm. you for many many years and that's the other aspect of it as well it's just you know again you can buy sustainable fashion and, and you know it's more expensive because you know single source and a, and a monitored supply chain and something sustainably made costs more money but sustainability doesn't just mean that sustainability also means I'm going to keep it for a long time. Going into Zara in itself is not bad. Buying a Zara blazer or whatever it is, is not bad if you keep it and wear it for a long time. So on your swimsuit front, I would say choose wisely, choose a swimsuit that you know is going to kind of expand and contract with our changing bodies, but also Mm. one that's going to endure. Yeah, also, as my mother would say, look after it. So you have to rinse it after you've been swimming, which is obviously, as a lazy old slag, I don't. Yes, (laughs) no, no, and also, some swimsuits won't stand up to salt water. Yes, I know, but they're supposed to be rinsed. That's very strange. I think that men have it much easier on the sustainable fashion because men will buy a nice suit, Mm. you know, which will cost them £400 or Mm. whatever it is. Quite a lot, actually. A nice Mm. wool suit costs. And then they will just wear that suit over and over mm. and over again. But it's the sort of constant search for newness that I think mm. kind of creates this desire for fast fashion. Yeah. Also, you know, even Princess Kate, every single time she goes out, she's photographed. And they were, oh, she wore that in 19... 19- oh, she wore that twice. She yes, wore that exactly. twice. She's being quite good, actually, because she's really mindful of that. And so she is deliberately mm-hmm. re-wearing things and restyling them. And actually, when she did that charity function in the States recently, she rented her gown. Yes, you see, I have an issue with renting because I've tried to rent things mm. on a number of occasions, I should mm. say. But if you are a size 14 to 16, mm. as I am, mm. there's literally nothing that you can rent. No. And everything has got no Maybe sleeves. Maybe some nice sort of 
Yes, sometimes what, a marquee dress. Yes, yeah, sometimes or something. a marquee. <laughs> Enough, there's no sleeves, or, yeah, or it's got yeah. a stupid slit, or it's got a backless back. There's nothing practical that, you know, unless you're a size eight or mm. 10, there's nothing to rent. And I think that's one area where companies could do a bit better. I had a good look in the Selfridges rental section. And honestly, oh, yes. unless you're a 17 year old prostitute, as far as I can see, there's <laughs> nothing for you there. That's true. It's true. That section of the market really needs to grow, doesn't it? Because <laughs> yes, right. grow up. Yeah, it needs to do. <laughs> also grow. Up. Yes, or, I was about to say unless you get to an ABBA tribute night, which is also the yeah, other stuff. No, that's the, the other look. Yes. sort of sequin flares. You think, oh, there's the, mm, yeah, yeah, not actually out of the shop. Something that we all used to do when we were teenagers, which is borrow our mates' clothes. So those ah. kind of swapping parties, you know, where you used to go around to your girl's yeah. house with mm. out, and you'd borrow her dress and you'd take an armful of clothes. Yeah, but again, you see, that was always a kind of social minefield for me because <laughs> I, I could never fit an into any of my friends' dresses because they were always like Imogen, thin and pretty. Oh, sh- and I was, no, the, I was so yes, and they never wanted to borrow my clothes because they were oh too big. So you need to pick your friends more wisely, I'd say. Well, I just yeah, need exactly. fatter friends is what I need. Yes, yes, yes. Well, yes. The other problem I have is that I can't even wear my mother's clothes because, of course, she's thin as a pin and no, like a supermodel. Is, yes. Really, annoyingly. So I'm basically... She's uh, like twiggy. I, I, I'm like the fat in the sandwich because my mother's <laughs> like twiggy and my daughter's like twiggy and I'm just a big fat lump in between for some reason, which I don't think is fair. Probably entirely to do with genetics. And is nothing it? to do with cake. No, nothing but, to uh, do with So cake I can't borrow my daughter's clothes and I can't borrow my mother's clothes. But my mother can borrow my daughter's clothes and my daughter does borrow my mother's clothes. God, this is like a minefield. <laughs> Honestly, it's my family is a sartorial nightmare. Yes, it's a sartorial minefield. But I think you've only given us three items, excluding the bobbly yes. hat. What else? Well, I don't know. I'm waiting to see. And I don't want to say what I'm going to be Boots. Um, I think a good pair of boots is always a good investment. So I always think summer, you can get away with any old crap in the summer. You can blow the dust off something yes. that you've had before. It all depends on what is in your wardrobe, doesn't it? And I think mm. what you, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a stylist around and I'm going to get her to go <gasps> through my wardrobe and put things together that I didn't think about, you know, pull out pieces that I haven't worn for years and years and years because I'd written them off. Do you know what? There was a really good article in Sunday Times Style this weekend, which was ways that you can rewear your wardrobe without buying anything new. And one of them was disco for daywear. So all those evening things that you've got hanging mm. in your wardrobe that you probably wear once or twice a year, you reinvent those for daywear. So why not wear a sequin top with a pair of jeans and a nice pair of mm. And that is like a perfectly acceptable daywear item. So all those things that just never see the light of day, which we've accumulated over years mm. and years, if we could kind of like dig them out and give them a mm. life and think about wearing them differently. At this time of year, it's so cold, isn't it? So we all have to think about layering. Well, actually, you know, what about things that you only think about wearing in summer? What if you were to put them on? Like today, I'm wearing a denim jumpsuit, but I've got like a polar neck underneath and a kind of, you know, mm. on top. And actually, normally I wouldn't wear it at this time of year because it's, mm. it's too cold. One of the things, Tiffany, is that you're quite good at fashion. Hmm. I'm not good. At, I'm not very good at fashion. Well, maybe we should all embrace our Helena Bonham Carter. Exactly. No, I, I think, think uh, yeah. wear a taffeta dress. Wear everything. Wear it all at the same time. <laughs> exactly. That's what we should be doing. I always thought that was the key to looking like a fashionista was to just put as many items together that didn't match, like bubble in abfab. Yeah, that like bubble in abfab. You are not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just like everything that doesn't seemingly go yes. together, just put it all on at once yes. and, and look and go, oh, I'm fine. Do you fabulous. know what? Next week I'm coming in like that. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm like, like I've rolled in the Oxfam outside and I was going to come in with everything on. Yes, exactly. Excellent. Okay, you haven't given us your all five items. She's being choosy, darling. Are you going to? My mind up yet is January. If I know what I'm buying for the rest of the year in January, Mm. there's going to be no excitement, is there? No. So I've I've got some ideas. I'm going to definitely have that opera coat dressing gown thing made for me. And Mm. a lovely journey because it's going to take ages and ages to be made. And then I'm going to get it and I'm going to be really excited by it. But I'm waiting to see. I'm waiting to see what the trends are for this season coming. I'm going to wait and see what's. You see, she's savvy. No, no, she's good at fashion. Yeah, she's yeah, good. That's because yeah, she used to do the, the actual trends. She used to do the editing of the actual fashion. <laughs> I know she did. Yes, <laughs> very good. Do you think you could cheat by having a suit made? Would that count as one ooh. item or two? No, I think. Ooh, is that one item or two? Oh my goodness. I think it's one. I think it's got to be one, hasn't you it? A three-piece suit. You could ask the table. Three-piece suit. Make it detachable. So essentially one piece that can be detached. <laughs> a three-piece suit. Oh, that's very glamorous. What you were saying earlier, actually, about men and about how men have it easier. Actually, those codes of masculine fashion have crossed over into women's fashion now. And we mm. need to start dressing a little bit more like men. Men have always been much better about buying clothes that last. And actually, suits are really back for women now. And I was at a function this morning. This woman was wearing like a tartan, you know, stay with me. But she was wearing a tartan suit. And she looked mm. absolutely amazing. My mum has a tartan suit. She was oh. amazing. But I always think the thing about the difference between the way men and women shop is that men basically go, I need these things. And then they go to a shop and they buy those things. Mm. Women are more like sort of hunter-gatherers. Mm. They can, we can sort of consider it like... No, a, magpies. We can say, well, no, <laughs> it's a bit of a sport for us. It's a, it's a, it's a sort of emotional activity therapy, as much as a therapy. A therapy so we wander it? around. We don't really know what we want. We've got no focus. We just mm. wander around the shop. Well, I do anyway. Wandering around the shops, picking random things up, going, oh, that's nice. And maybe or maybe not buying them. Oh, yeah. We don't have the focus and the purpose. A, a and of, what you're saying is, Tiffany, is to have the focus yeah. and the purpose. But a lot of men buy the same thing over and over and mm. again. My husband has got like six white T-shirts, mm. all the same mm. brand, same size. Like, I like that. I'll have that. Mm. A uniform. Times six. Yeah. yeah, like a uniform, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, but wandering around the shops and saying, oh, I quite like that, is exactly how we end up with so much stuff in our wardrobe. Some of it still with mm. the label on and with an empty bank balance. But mm. actually, it's a lovely sport shopping, isn't it? I mean, we all love walking into Zara. Mm. Ooh, let me have a go at that. Until you... <laughs> <laughs> now, my favourite form is hick and click. Yes. Which is hick and click. Hick and click. <laughs> Sit there, glass of wine. Oh, that looks lovely. I'll have that. Well, you know, I know, but that is also one of the big problems because it has fueled this consumption. If it's too yes. easy to shop now, isn't it? It's too yes. get all of this stuff. Yes. And actually what's happened is it's become slightly unsustainable for the companies because it used to be that they would send you stuff for free and you could return it for free. Mm. But hick and click. And, and there, there would be no jeopardy because when you woke up sober the next morning, you could actually send it all back. Yes. It's also quite a su- nice surprise in the morning you think oh I I had no idea I ordered that suit but but you've probably noticed that they've stopped doing that now because financially it doesn't make any sense to them so now what happens when you hit and click and you have to Mm. because you have to pay for the blooming returns I know yeah and I did that it cost a fortune it cost a fortune and I did it with an American company with skims I was trying to buy a bra and they don't Mm. normal bra sizes it's all xxxx S to like XXXXXL. So how on earth you would figure out your size? Anyway, to send it back to America was about thirteen pounds a time, and I ended up not worth it three then three times, which was more than the bra cost. 
So yes. actually better to go physically to a store, try something on, give it some planning, carefully consider it and think if this was only one of five items that I was allowed to buy this year, would I still buy it? There's some companies now do this thing in London. I don't know if they do it outside London, but they do it in London where you can order something and then a nice lady will bring everything round in a bag and you can try it all on. Mm. Me and Em do that. I bought some trousers from them and the woman they came. They do, yes. But you had to order quite a lot, I think, didn't you? Was well, it... yeah, you have to sort of order various items, but they will come round and they'll bring it round. Not more, the... Yeah, probably more than five, though. Probably more than five, mm. yeah. You see, we're going I think the way that we used to shop in the old days. You know, people used to, like, trunk shows. People would arrive at yeah. ladies' houses with a whole box. Mm. And then you would be able to choose the tricks that you wanted. Yeah. I think that's quite nice. I like that idea. Mm. I like that idea. But I do also like the idea of being able to upcycle clothes. Is that what I mean? Just sort of repurpose them. You know, the idea that you can do those. I replaced the lining on a very old Balmain coat that I bought years and years ago. Like it's a 1950s Pierre Balmain. And I wore it and wore it and wore it. And then the lining fell apart. So I just replaced the lining on it. Just go to a tailor. And it looks amazing. They're amazing what they can do. Yeah. And and actually, it's becoming a lot more fashionable to do things like that. Yeah. There is going to be an element in the next few years that primary clothing, which is what we now Mm. call clothing that's brand new, is going to be Mm. slightly shaming. And whereas, you know, someone used to say to you, oh, I love your coat. Where did you get it from? And you go, oh, this old thing, I've had it for years. That's now a point of total pride. I've had Mm. it for a very long time. And look, I'm still wearing it. And isn't it fabulous? And I had this lining put in and blah, 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 blah. Mm. That is actually fashion points and fashion credibility, whereas Mm. it used to be that it had to be something that was very much this season or Mm. even pre-season if you really wanted fashion points. Mm. Well, yes, that's true. Yes, pre-season. You'd be ahead of the game. (laughs) (laughs) I have never been ahead of the game fashion-wise, sadly. Well, thank you, Tiffany. That was fantastic. And do let come back and let us know at the end of the year what you bought. Yes, yes, could we? We'd like that. Yes, but can we all have a look at it? I'm dying to see you in the coat. Oh, I must. Your null coat, the coward coat. <laughs> Is it going to have a lovely little cashmere lining? Oh, cashmere lining, wouldn't that be lovely? Yes. Yes. Why not? Yeah, I think because you can get that very, very fine cashmere that they do for backing of scarves and things, which oh, is quite nice. And you can wear it next to your skin and it's not itchy. Yes, mm. yes. Naked. Or an evening gown. I like it. You've just modified my plan. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I think a little cashmere lining in a, in a lovely pop of pink or something. Oh, oh my God, Sarah. I see a new future Did you, you see what I said there? I said a pop a of pop pink. Of That's a fashion pink. term. Yes. <laughs> Got the lingo. <laughs> we can't wait to see it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tiff. Thanks, Tiff. Thank you for having me. That was Tiffany Dark, who is running the Rule of Five campaign. If you'd like to find out more, there's a link in the show notes. If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. If you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster Wag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You have been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine. Thank you for listening. <laughs>